Alina Health. We care about your health and wellness. Learn how Alina Health provides care that can benefit you in this edition of The Wellcast. Now here's your host, Melanie Cole. Scientists have known for some time that the teen brain is wired to produce reward signals in response to irresponsible or dangerous behaviors. And while parents may not like these risky behaviors, a new study says it's the same brain process that also helps teens be better learners. My guest today is Dr. Jesse Corey. He's a neurologist with Alina Health's United Hospital in St. Paul. Welcome to the show, Dr. Corey. The teen brain still under construction, as the NIH says, So tell us about the study. Tell us about what is going on with this unfinished brain that our teens have. Yeah, this is. Thanks for having me, Melanie. Once again, this is you know a great study. So we've all seen you know from our own personal experience, from you know other studies, that teens engage a lot of risky behavior. What the folks in this study here uh, did, they looked actually at you know how the brain, what were the the parts of the brain that were interacting during a memory process. And they wanted to see, okay, what parts of the brain are interacting and what mechanisms kind of really excite those parts of the brain. And what they found is that teens' brains are really geared towards outcome. You know, that, you know for, the, for the teens, it's, it's the destination, not necessarily the journey that's important. And when you look at, well, how do we want to you know, reinforce what reinforces those, those pathways, those behaviors, it's, you know, getting positive feedback. So the team brain really isn't so much keen to, you know, remember negative feedback. It doesn't necessarily always look at, you know, the, the risk of doing things. It's looking at the, the outcome. And the more positive feedback the brain gets, the more it's going to remember these things. What they were looking at is a type of memory called episodic memory or that autobiographical memory we have. So this is kind of like the thing that is the memory that's, you know, kind of, always with us that, you know, the story of our lives. And so if they're always getting positive feedback, that's what they're going to really respond to. It is absolutely a fascinating topic. So the electrical business that's going on in those teen brains, Dr. Corey, Mm -hmm. is that different than adults? Because I've heard, especially Mm -hmm. like when you're teaching your teens to drive, that you cannot be yelling at them hey, look out, look out this, because those electrical conductions actually make it uncomfortable for them to hear you yelling and try and concentrate on driving at the same time. Oh, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, as a story, my, my folks took me to a cemetery to learn to drive. And so when I was driving in there, yeah, the, the negative feedback, see what happens if you do dumb things, didn't really help. Just made me more nervous. So when we look at how the, the team brain is wired, the connections between the parts of the brain called the striatum that help with reward. Um, and the parts of the brain that help with memory, hip, the hippocampus, these are really strongly uh, interconnected in the, in the teenage brain. And they're connected in the adult brain, but not as much. In the adult brain, we see, again, that we tend to have a more of understanding of both the carrot and the stick. We like reward, we like outcome, but we also, you know, like not having bad things happen to us. So our brains learn by trial and error, by appreciating the negative consequences and the positive consequences. The team brain is very heavily wired for new experience, for, you know, uh, learning on the positive feedback, the positive reward they get. The danger in that, though, is that the teens may not be savvy enough to know of that quote-unquote positive reward. Is it really a good thing or a bad thing? So what are we supposed to do as parents? And all of this comes down to, because there's also 
certain instances with teen brain and, and substance abuse where yeah. it actually has more of an effect than it would on, say, a 30-something who's smoking marijuana or drinking versus a 15 or 16-year-old that's yeah. doing these things. So what are parents supposed to do about this teen brain? We can't just keep giving positive reinforcement all the time. No, no. Sometimes and they I, need to hear, you know, shame and and discipline and boundaries. Yeah, and you know, and that's you know, this this study is great because it it gives us you know kind of the the neuroanatomy of what's going on here, but it, it, they don't necessarily address you know what to do with this. And I think that's as you know, as physicians, we have to kind of start putting this into bigger context. Okay, what can we learn? And I think you're absolutely right. First of all, kids need to learn you know about the negative consequences. Eventually, that teenage brain will become an adult brain, and so they'll need to be exposed to there's a good and a bad to, to things. A lot of this research is really applicable to addiction studies and to addiction medicine. And, you know, one of the things that I, you know, kind of take when I read this is that, okay, the teenagers are going to look for that positive reinforcement where they get it for. So, you know, yeah, it's important that we give, you know, a nurturing environment for kids, that we expose them to um, positive, you know, behaviors for positive things. But I think what what I also take away from this is that it's important to really provide new experiences for the, for the teens to give them you know um, you know you always remember that the uh, when you're you were younger your parents would say you know we need to get you in sports we need to get you a job keep you out of trouble and I think that's actually really sagely advice because I think if, if teens are given more new experiences they're going to you know seek rewards in those new experiences not necessarily seek reward. Where they may find it, where it may not be a healthy behavior. That's absolutely true. As a parent of a gymnast, I see that, and I know that they. I've heard before, bored teenagers are the ones that tend to get into drugs and alcohol. Absolutely. So, so we've learned that we do need to watch, get them involved, keep them teen involved in teams and sports and things, mm-hmm. so that they are focusing on these other things. What else can we do about this teen brain to keep them from, I mean, even if we do have to discipline them, Dr. Yeah. Corey, sometimes they shut down. You can see it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, You know, when I read this, I was thinking, okay, what are things I can do with, with my kids and stuff? And my kids are still a little bit for teens. But um, I think things like, you know, trying to keep things, surprise the kids, keep things new and exciting. I think that, you know, what we've seen is that the, the parts of the brain that help with reward and memory you know, especially as we're younger, but even as we get older, are very tightly linked. So I think doing things that, you know, positive things, positive rewards for your kids that may surprise them, you know, that's, I think, a good way to keep their focus on good things, like things like family and sports and stuff, and less on have their minds wander to, ooh, let me try this thing or that thing, which may not be good for them. I think definitely parents should still say, you know, we definitely need to have discipline. There definitely needs to be consequences. Again, as a parent, you're trying to mold that adolescent brain into a sound adult brain. And so I think that they, you know, it may be one of those things where it's not fun. The kids may not be early on necessarily listening to the to those things, to those consequences. But over time, hopefully, this will start to reinforce the development of a more, you know, well-rounded uh, ability to take information, a more well-rounded learning style. So, Dr. Corey, things that we should watch out for, because I've also read that mental disorders, many of them, the symptoms first emerge during adolescence and young adulthood. So as parents, while this brain is growing, and we're trying to be positive and surprise them and and, and get them involved in things Mm -hmm. and not overwhelm that teenage brain, we also need to watch out for some of these red flags, yes? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially in things like uh, schizophrenia and some of the bipolar disorder, 
some of these things you typically do see kind of start at uh, later adolescence, particularly in men. So I think it's really important for, you know, for family members to start noticing if there's sudden changes in the behavior of their teens. If, it, you know, a teen who is normally really gregarious and outgoing now becomes more isolated. If they start having, you know, kind of irregular thoughts, start to have, you know, really repetitive behaviors, uh, you know, you know, putting their shoes in a certain way all the time or doing certain, you know, stereotype movements before an activity or what have you. These are things families should look for. And I think also, you know, um, you know, always look to about the kind of the culture around that, that son or daughter, you know, if you notice that the, the people around that son and daughter are changing or the clothes around that son and daughter are changing, that should be another red flag that something here may be amiss. Either the child potentially could be having, you know, problems with their own psychiatric health or maybe running in, you know, with a different crowd. Okay, so we need to definitely keep our eye on all these things. So wrap it up for us, Dr. Corey, mm-hmm. because this is such an interesting topic for parents to hear. Yeah. Because we sometimes as parents, and you and I both know this, that you don't always understand why your kid is shutting down, or yeah. you don't always understand why they scream back at you or can't handle when you're screaming at them because you feel like you want to scream at them because you're a parent, mm-hmm. and they don't understand it, and, and, and that goes back and forth and creates that lack of communication. So wrap this up for us with your best advice about dealing with that teen brain as it's yeah. part of the body of our our beloved little teenagers. Yes. What I take from this, story, this, this study here is this, that the, the young brain, it like, it's geared towards outcome, and that it likes positive reinforcement. So when I want to reinforce good behaviors to my kid, I remind them of the good outcome. I reward the, the positive actions tend to, you know, turn a blind eye to some of those negative things. But when it comes to, you know, they have to learn consequences. And so I think always being mindful of that when there are examples of bad behavior, there are examples of, examples of bad choice, discussing with my kid, keeping the, the lines of communication open. They may not be listening now. They may not listen the 10th time, but maybe the 100th time they'll start listening. And so I, my hope is that, you know, while this teaches me how to teach my kid better, I hope just by being, you know, a, kind of a, an aggressive, nosy parent <laughs> that my child will, over time, you know, become a really wise and well-rounded adult. Great information and such great advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Corey. I love this series that we're doing about the human brain. Absolutely fascinating. And you're listening to the Wellcast with Alina Health. And for more information, you can go to alinahealth.org. That's alinahealth.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.